Today we want to continue in the series of looking at the basics, the basics revisited, and today's topic is on the church. What is the church, and how does the church engage with one another, we who gather in his name, and how does the church engage with our community? And oftentimes, and I've been guilty of this in the past, when we talk about the church, that's simply a synonymous statement for it's time for volunteers. You know, and we try to heap guilt on people and just say, okay, now, you know, you're going to squirm and worm your way out of here unless you sign up for something. And I don't want to do that today because I've, I, I was reflecting on this, what is the church? And a, and a, and a proverb kind of came to my mind, and that is that you, know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And then I was reminded of a saying that a wise old rancher once told me and says, yes, but you can feed him salt. <laughs> you know, and sometimes what we see when we come into the church of God is that the salt and light of Jesus' love in our hearts and in our lives is what motivates us and what draws us and what brings us together and what calls us into into living out for him there's a couple of foundational points that i want us to reflect on and and we're going to do a bible study we're going to be flipping back and forth through scriptures so that you understand that this theme of what is the church is not rooted in just some some isolated scriptures but this is a theme that is scattered throughout the bible And I could go, for instance, to 1 Corinthians and we could look at chapters 12 to 15 and we could find out what it means to live as a body of Christ. And and that would be a great study right there. I could go to Colossians. I could go to a number of books and we could find out what it means to live as a body of Christ as we look at some distinct passages. But I want us to look at a variety of passages to realize that God's instruction for us as His people is rooted in a foundation that is clearly described for us in Scripture. And here's the first foundation. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. If you've got a Bible, that's great. If you don't, there's one in one of the chairs in front of you, and it's on page 983. Colossians chapter 1 gives us this first foundational point, beginning in verse 15. He, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. First foundation point is this. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. This is his church. Pastors come and go. Christ stays forever. This is his church. And while you might get a different flavor from time to time, this is Christ's church. And we are called by his name. Second foundation is this. In Acts chapter 2, we have the, we have the words given for us of, of how the people gathered together. And in gathering together, Acts chapter 2, verses 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and the prayers. 
And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When we live by the precepts of God, when we enjoy His teaching and allow the Word of God to penetrate into our heart, it shapes how we engage with other people and God blesses it. God blesses His church. First is, Christ is the head of the church. And second, when we live in obedience to the Word of God and the Spirit of God moving in our lives, Christ blesses His church. I want to root our understanding today of what is the church as community in John chapter 15. Jesus, in talking to his disciples, page 902, Jesus, when talking to his disciples, gave to them an instruction that describes relationship. Relationship with our Creator God. In John chapter 15, we read, beginning in verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. In this passage, we discover that there are four elements that root or, or, or uh, describe for us what the church is. It's rooted in love, in, res- in respect, obedience, and trust. I want us to look at these four key points. First, let's look at obedience. In Romans chapter 12... The Apostle Paul gives these instructions. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, page 947. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So here's the first part in obedience. When we surrender ourselves to Christ, when we surrender ourselves to His leading, it's an act of worship. Obedience isn't begrudging acquiescence it's it's coming to christ and worshiping christ do not be conformed in this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is god's will what is good and acceptable and perfect obedience to christ surrendering to christ means that our minds are being transformed it impacts our actions it directs how we engage with other people The first thing we understand in obedience to Christ is that all of us have a call on God in our life. We're all called to surrender ourselves to Him. In Psalms 119, we we see the theme over and over, particularly in verse 9, where we are to allow the Word of God to penetrate our hearts, to lead us, to direct us, to surrender ourselves to the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And how do we do that? How do we allow ourselves to be led and directed by the Spirit of God through His Word? Well, here in our church, we do a couple of things. 
We've got ladies' Bible study on Tuesdays, and there's a sign-up outside that you can join that if you're a lady to be part of that. We've got small groups, small groups gathering together. Why? So that we can discern together what the Word of God is and how the Word of God is engaged in our lives and shaping our lives. And so within the small group, we can pray for one another. We can encourage one another. We can admonish one another. And that is, this is what the Word is saying. We can bring to one another the struggles that we face, saying, this is my situation. The Word of God tells me that I need to love my enemies. Well, right now I can't even stand my family. How is this supposed to work? Because either the Word of God is right or I'm right. Which one is it? And we gather together so that we can encourage one another and say, okay, I will pray for you as you pray for me. And we gather together on a Sunday, not so that we can hear some eloquent presentation of some philosophy, but we gather together that somehow in the mystery of God, the Holy Spirit moves in our heart and what is presented through the Word, through prayers, through times of meditation, through, through the sharing of, of Scripture, that somehow the Spirit of God moves in our heart, convicting us of the sin that separates us from God and convincing us that by trusting Him more, He will bless us in ways that are beyond our understanding. And so we gather together to be touched by God. Not to be touched by some pastor, but to be touched by God. All of us are on some stage of transformation. Paul in Revelation says, renew the mind. All of us are in the process of changing and realizing that I may not be the person I want to be. I may not be the person I should be or could be, but thank God I'm not the person I once was. That in this state of transformation, we can look at those around us and we can extend grace to them. Because we're not gathered together because we're all related ethnically or because we all work at the same place or because we all have the same income and we're, and, or because of any kind of social situation. Because we're gathered in the name of Jesus Christ, we look down the row or we look around us or we look behind us and we go, wow, did God ever do a miracle bringing that person to church? <laughs> and they're looking at us and thinking the same thing. <laughs> because we're gathered together in Christ's name and we recognize that the grace of God working in a person's heart is their faith journey. Their, their path of transformation, and we can be thankful that God is working in their heart as God is working in our heart as we may remain obedient to the working of God in our life. Allowing the words to transform us and change us and renew us. The first point that we need to recognize as the body of Christ, as the church, is that we need to be obedient to Christ, to the leading of His Word, to the moving of the Holy Spirit, because he loves us. Second point, respect. In 1 Corinthians 12, we are, giving, we are given an incredible illustration of what the church could be like. 1 Corinthians 12, page five, uh, 959. In verse 12, the Apostle Paul writes... For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. 
For in one spirit we are baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. He goes on and describes for us that the body is not simply one part. It's not simply an eye. It's not simply a foot. It's not simply a hand. It's not simply some organ. But rather, in the compilation of all the different parts, the body functions. And we, too, have a part in the body. And so when we understand that we are all valuable, when we understand that we can all contribute to the ongoing blessing in our community, we realize that we need to respect each other's contribution. And from time to time, we recognize that a person's contribution or a person's, a person's status, body status, changes. And it changes sometimes because we are no longer young. We are no longer a 16-year-old crazy person who can eat everything and run all day and still sleep peacefully at night. We realize that diets change and energy changes and interests change and all of that reflects the spirit and personality of God within us. And we come together recognizing and respecting the different seasons that people have in their lives as they give more time sometimes to their children, more time to sometimes aging, aging parents. Sometimes they need to give more time to their jobs. Sometimes they need to give more time to other things in order for the, for the whole part of life to be balanced. But in all these things we ask God, okay God, where would you let me spend my time and my energy today? We respect how people contribute. We respect their time, their responsibilities, their seasons of life. And we recognize that that there are opportunities for us to embrace as we think here of our local church. Pastor Dan has placed within our, our prayer journals the opportunity to pray for male leaders this fall for, the, for his small groups with young people. He's looking for four male leaders. Last week we had to close the nursery because we didn't have workers and there's a need in the children's ministry for people to work in, in our nursery and work in other children's ministries. There's opportunities within our visitation teams to visit the seniors and the shut-ins, within our hosting ministries to help with ushering, to help with hosting people on Sundays. There's opportunities on September the 11th to set up as we encourage people from our neighborhood to come and join us and recognize that we are a neighborhood church, concerned for them, praying for them, wanting to be involved in their lives. We have the opportunity to reach out as God allows us and enables us. And to do these things in the name of Jesus Christ. But here's the problem. Sometimes parts of the body are leprous. And are dead. And they need to pray out to God that God would revive them and restore them to health. Because a body with a dead hand. Is not nearly as functional as a body that's working together. And a body that's simply relying on a thumb and a finger to get everything done is not nearly as satisfying as a body that can use both hands collectively. And a body that only uses its head, while joyful, can really engage with everything in life. And so if you feel that you feel yourselves in a sense of blahness, in a sense of deadness. Possibly the Holy Spirit today wants to get in touch with your heart and say, you know what? You can find life in me. Come back to me. Give me those things that are burdening you down.
find life again. Join the body healthy. Join the body alive. And let me work through you in such a way that the community of Oceanside is impacted for eternity. The third part on the church is love. We talked about obedience, respect, now love. I think that that's illustrated for us in a very passionate exchange that Jesus gives to his disciples in Matthew chapter 5, page 810. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, verse 13. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus in this passage tells us that we are salt and light in the world. Why is that? 1 Peter 2 tells us that we do this so that God's name is glorified. But we're salt and light. We're the love that Jesus has for the world to those around us. How can we do that? James says that true religion is this, to look after widows and orphans in their distress. He identifies people who are marginalized, who are often cast off, who are, who are neglected. And he says, bring justice to their situation. The orphans and widows. What about our society today? Who are the ones that we often marginalize socially? The mentally handicapped. Who are the ones that we often sideline? Those who are senior and are firm. Infirm. Who are the ones that we often neglect? Maybe single families. And yet Jesus says, I want you to be salt and light. I want you to go out and love them. And what does love look like? Well, in the passage of, of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12 to 15, where it talks about the church and it talks about how we are to live together collectively as a church, it gives us a passage there that we're so familiar that we use only in weddings. Right? Love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not seek its own way. It's not rude. And yet this description is a description of Christ's love for his people. As I have loved you, John says, love others. And as Christ has loved us in this fashion, we now in turn need to love others in this way. Though they are undeserving, we are patient. Though they are unlovable, we love them. And how does the world begin to see this? Well, this past Wednesday, I had the opportunity and the privilege of marrying my dad. It was a great time. I've been stressed out of my gourd. <laughs> and we, and, and as, we, as we were doing this, my mind began to think, you know, one of the, the key things that God does and, and is for us is the grace and the power and the strength to live out these incredible vows. I remember making them. 
Boy, was I stupid. <laughs> to love, to cherish, to honor, to hold, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poor, till death do us part. Wow. All we have to do is look around in society and we see people every day breaking this vow. And how are we able to do it? How are we able to hold on to it by the power and strength of Jesus Christ? As he allows us to work not our vow, but his word alive in us. And we live this out to the people around us so that when they come to us and say, how can you be with your spouse who's now infirm? Whose mind is no longer with us. How can you do this? It's because of the power of Jesus Christ. And how can you be with somebody who is no longer faithful or no longer there for you? The power of Jesus Christ. Because either the Word of God works, or everything we do and all that we say is bogus. We are the salt and the light. And when we look at Psalm 46, this testimony of the psalmist comes true God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And we look around us and we say, yes, I recognize the trouble. Now show me your refuge. I recognize my need for help. Now show me your hands. And when Jesus shows us his hands, we see them nail pierced for us. And we acknowledge, as Isaiah did in Isaiah 25 verse 4, that no matter the storm, we find our shelter in Jesus Christ. And it's because of this overwhelming love that He has for us that we can go out into the world and we say, you know what, I don't understand you, but I love you anyway. Because of God's love for us. Why do we send money to people working in Pakistan? Not because they deserve it, because many of those people hate our guts. But because God loves them. Why do we put together backpacks? And in our generosity, we put together backpacks for Parksville Elementary School. Not because we know people there who need them, but because there are people within our community who do not have the resources and God loves them. And we want to be the hands and the feet that come alongside them and say, and we love you too. And why is it that we send mission teams around the globe, and next summer in 2011, God is leading us to, to Colombia, and, and if this is something that, he, that He's going to put on your heart, then come talk to me, because we're going to have a training session in October. But we're going to go down to Colombia, and God's going to lead us there, and God's going to allow us to, to teach English. He's going to allow us to do DVBS programs. He's going to allow us to work in orphanages and with the homeless people down in Colombia. And He's going to allow us to partner with a national leader down there and encourage him and build him up and, and help him with his ongoing ministry of church planting. And why does God do this? Because He's got a heart for people everywhere. This past week, Rolf from Salvation Army came into my office and he said, you know what, we've got a need in our church. 
As you know, Salvation Army is in, in the business of feeding people, and they feed more people here in our community this year, about 50% more than they did a year ago. And it just, it's just going crazy, so much so that they have to renovate their facility to get more and more people in, and they're in the process of doing that. But they're saying, you know what, we're going to have to close down the soup kitchen longer if we don't get help. So he said, can you encourage people to come and help us? They need carpenters, they need tilers, they need people who can come in and help renovate so that they don't have to shut down their kitchen, but that they can renovate it and renovate the space so that more people can be helped. And if this is something that's interest to you, let it resonate in your mind and heart. Come talk to me, come talk to Rolf, and let's get together. Why? Not because God's concerned about the label on the door, but he's concerned about his name in the heart. And we have a chance to stand together with brothers and sisters who in the name of Jesus Christ are reaching out to people less fortunate than us and providing them a hot meal. And we can stand with them and encourage them and pray with them and work with them because God is working through them in our, in our hurting community. And we've had the opportunity and the privilege to, to, uh, to partner with a church down island and help them get off the ground and get going. And Scott, I'm going to ask you to come on up here. Don't worry, this is almost rehearsed. So come on up. <laughs> and we, we worked with, uh, you know, Scott, as you know, was here in our church for a number of years, and God led him down to Crofton, and God has placed within, within Scott's heart this entrepreneurial zest to start stuff up. And I'm inspired by Scott, actually because uh, he's got more pep in his baby finger than I don't know what to do with. I mean, he's, he's a powerful man filled with the Spirit of God, and God's leading him now into a new place, and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but you need to pray for him, because God has placed within him the spirit of entrepreneurialism. And this is a powerful spirit to get stuff started. And so you need to pray that he'll stick the course, and that he'll be with the family. I didn't have that in mind, but I prayed, I said it anyway. Scott, tell us where God's leading you. Well, uh, to begin with, actually, now that you've complimented me so much, uh, I was going to do this anyways. Honestly, I was. Uh, worked, had the privilege of working with Gerald here uh, several years back, and to just kind of watch him preaching today, like, this guy is, like, growing, like, crazy, like crazy. This guy, I don't know if you guys, you know, I mean, he, he's a good speaker and everything, but what you need to know if you don't know is I worked with him. This guy is as genuine and as true blue as it gets. And uh, if you guys don't appreciate him, you need to appreciate him. This actually might be a good time to appreciate him. Mm. And uh, I kind of feel like I've been licking salt here all morning. Do you guys feel that way as well? Uh, it's very good. Everything he's been saying here has been just, just been awesome. And uh, I don't know if it's entrepreneurship or not, but uh, it's just a matter of uh, loving people and loving seeing people come to faith. And uh, I live for that. That's just uh, what gets me up in the morning. We started a church about four years ago down in uh, Crofton and just to see kind of God work and... Um, and, you know, I think sometimes in our churches uh, we focus a little bit too much on having people pray a prayer. And I'm all for people praying a prayer of salvation, but the reality of it is what happens after that. 
And, uh, and I, as I'm sitting here listening to Gerald, I'm thinking about this and thinking about everybody sitting here. And I don't know where everybody's at here this morning, but if you're just kind of in a place where you're attending on a Sunday morning and this is like a great experience for you and your family, which it is, continue to do so. But if it's just there, if that's all it is, you are missing like so much. Like you just don't get it. You're just missing so much of what God wants to do and what God can do in your life. And I was reading the program there, and I noticed that there's a put an emphasis on getting involved with life groups and, and so on, growth groups. I don't know what you guys call them here, Bible studies, whatever you want to call them. Those are just churches. It's all they are. They're places where you come together, you get to know other people and care about each other. And um, that's been a huge focus for us at our church. And those are the places where we see, those are the kind of grounds, so to speak, where people grow. That's the soil. Um, this is a great experience here on Sunday mornings, but in those places where we get to know each other and care about each other, that's where you grow. So if you're not involved with one of those, uh, I really uh, encourage you to do so. So, Okay? Did great, you yeah, and, and, and God's leading you to a new new place now. Yeah, we're, uh, we're looking to move to an area called Salmon Arm, and um, there's a, a church there. It's about three, 400 people, I believe, uh, Salmon Arm Baptist Church. And they started a satellite work in uh, Sycamus uh, about two years ago. And I think they've got about 70 or 80 people that are attending that church right now. And they've had such good success there and seen God move uh, in, in that way. Now they want to do another site in an area called Blind Bay Sorrento area, which is 20 minutes this side of uh, Salmon Arm, right on the trans Canada Highway, and uh, so they've called us and asked if we would be interested in, in, in going and doing that. Um, I'll be honest with you, when we uh, uh, resigned from the church where we're at right now is probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. I uh, just love the people there and so many incredible stories to see what God has done in and through that church. Um, and I was a little fearful, to be honest with you, initially when we knew we were going to resign being a younger church. Uh, but it was so amazing to see uh, what has happened as a result of our resignation. Uh, some of the things I've been praying about that would happen and fought for for four years uh, all happened when I resigned. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought about that, and I thought I should have quit like a long time ago. <laughs> so in some ways it upsets me because I'd love to still be there now that some of those good stuff is starting to happen right now. But uh, at the same time, God's just given us a piece about it, and to just see what's happening in that church right now is just incredible. To watch some of these leaders blossoming and uh, just just grabbing a hold of God and, and running, and it is very exciting uh, for us. So we have a real peace now that uh, God is going to continue to uh, bless that uh, that church and. Um, and as uh, uh, Gerald said here in his first point, this is Jesus' church. It is his church. And uh, we have to keep that in, in mind all the time. And, and I thought about Paul a little bit uh, lately just because we've had a couple of short moves here, three, four years. And I, and I thought, you know, this is what he did. Uh, and I'm sure it was difficult on churches when they moved on. But think what happened as a result, right? How that ministry grew and spread as a result of that. So uh, we kind of feel in some ways a little bit like missionaries that way. And... Um, we don't know what's going to happen there, uh, but we're excited and believing and trusting that God is going to uh, just come alongside, and, and uh, it's going to be just a, another 
adventure and a great experience. So we're looking forward to it. You can be praying for us. We have to sell our home. That's the big issue right now is trying to sell our home in, in Crofton and then looking to uh, move there. Our last Sunday is this uh, coming Sunday on the 5th. And then uh, we really don't know what's happening after that. We're going to try and get there as soon as we can to hopefully get our kids into school. Uh, but we don't know where or what or any of those things. All those details, uh, God has those things. Uh, we, we don't just yet. So we're, we're waiting to find out about that. All right. Okay. Well, yeah. thank you, Scott. You know what? We're going to pray for you right now. Okay. Lord Jesus, we just bring Scott, Tammy, and the kids before you. And you know the hurdles that, that they face. Uh, selling their house, buying a new house, getting the kids in school, finding friends, getting established in the routines uh, there. And Lord, you've already gone before them. You've set a path before them. I know the path I have for you, declares the Lord. And you've said that, a future and a hope. And so we look in anticipation for how you're going to work in their hearts and lives. And as they continually depend on you, Lord, open the doors that are necessary. Father, may even... This week, even even tomorrow, may you bring somebody into their hearts and lives that will uh, buy their house. And that you would open up a place for them where they need to go. And uh, that you'll bring a crew around them that can help them move. And uh, Lord, that you take care of their financial needs. And bless them in such a way that they can look back and say that apart from Jesus Christ, we could do nothing. And it's only by your power that we can do this. And so we give... Uh, their situation to you, Lord, and ask that we can look and, and see your hand move in such a mighty way that we can give you the honor and the glory. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thanks, Scott. Amen. We're talking about living obediently to the Word of God, moving in our hearts. We're talking about respecting one another as we contribute to the way God is leading us. We talk about sharing love and how we need to demonstrate Christ's love in us to those around Him. And fourthly, trust. Trusting Christ and trusting one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 gives us a, a distinct illustration of what it means to trust. 1 Corinthians 14, when they're talking about worship in verse 26. What then, brothers... When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Here within our church, we have a variety of venues. Earlier this morning, we had what we call traditions. And now we have encounter, and then tonight we have thirsty. And it would be wrong of us to think that, you know, if everybody were only like us, you know, if they could learn how to blend those hymns that they like with that rock and roll music, and they could be just like us. Why can't they? Because not everybody goes to McDonald's. Why is it? We've got different venues to reflect God's creativity inside all of us because He hasn't created us all to be the same. He's created us so that we give a distinct impression of who He is as the Creator God alive and well within our hearts to those around us who need a touch from their Creator God. And God has wired us in such a way that the interests and the passions and the, in, and the concerns that we have reflect His glory and reflect who He is, His character, and how we can trust Him. We gather together to worship in order to express our love and devotion to God in ways that reflect who we are. 
and we engage with one another so that collectively we can understand who Christ is for us. But in doing that, we need to trust one another. You know, I remember as, as a, a young parent that we would get toys for our kids. We no longer get toys for our kids. We let them play with sticks and stones. No, that's not true. Um, but we used to get this one fantastic toy that had different shapes and little blocks that you put into them, you know. Like, so you take a, a block and you try to put it into this little thing. It kept me amused for hours. And, <laughs> and I remember taking one, you know, you, you, you try to put it in there and, and, and my kids, they could just go boop, 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 right? And they'd be done and I would just go, and, and sometimes we, we realized that Though I'm a square, there are people around me who are oval. And I don't understand them. Because they don't have any corners at all. They're just oval. And yet God loves them. And God knows them. And God's working in their heart and life in such a way that they're going to express their ovalness to the world around them. And then there are stars. People who are angly all over the place. Just a whole passel of angles. And God's working through them. And God's working in their hearts and lives. And God's allowing them to be who they need to be. God's created us all different. In order that He might get the honor and the glory. And sometimes we have a, we have a challenge. And that we want to make everybody square. Just like me. It's not how God made it. And we need to trust one another. That the Spirit of God is going to work through a different generation in a different way. Revealing Himself, revealing His character, revealing His love for the world. That the Spirit of God is going to motivate people to serve Him and love Him and and allow him, Him to be used through them to care for other people. God's going to do it. We can trust Him and we can trust other people. And they may never quite fold the laundry the way that we would fold the laundry. And they may never quite start sweeping the floor the way we would sweep the floor, but the floor is going to get swept and the laundry is going to get folded and things are going to get cared for because God's going to work through them. And sometimes we need to allow people the privilege of failing in order for them to learn. That God's sufficient. That's where trust comes in. And in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about don't neglect coming together, but it's not because of a sense of guilt. But we gather together in order to experience the blessings of God in our life, in order for us to individually experience that blessing, and then us in turn to bless others collectively. How are we then to live as believers? We're to be surrendered to Jesus Christ, who is our Savior and our Lord. To be obedient to Him and His Word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. We need to value the various giftedness of the body. To respect it, respect one another. That we all have a part to play. And where you think that your part is diminished, it could be the most important part there. We need to be salt and light. We need to be the expressions of Christ's love to those around us in such a way that they give their hearts and lives to to Jesus Christ. And we need to worship. 
to build one another up, call people to faith, and allow the blessings of God to come and transform their hearts and lives. So let me ask you a couple questions today. Where are you right now? Do you feel yourself as being part of the family of God? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? And as you've been sitting here and as you've been mulling this over and as you've been reflecting on this a little bit, maybe you've come to the place of realization or, or enlightenment. The Holy Spirit has touched you and says, you know what, I've got something uh, missing in my life. There's a hopefulness, there's a, there's a sense of passion, there's a sense of purpose that I just can't manufacture on my own. And I need to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. And you say, Lord Jesus, come and change me. Make me a new person. Take the things that are separating me from a relationship with you, take those away and draw me to yourself that I might become part of your family. And he will. Well, where do you find yourself as you're part of the family of God, as you find yourself as part of the body of Christ? Where do you find your alive meter resting? Find yourself kind of empty? Well, maybe you have to ask Jesus Christ to come and restore you and renew you and, and aliven you again. Maybe you're in your busyness, in your sense of serving the church, you're running on fumes rather than running on faith. And you need to pull out, oh, but if I do that, who's going to do? <gasps> Whose church is this? Is it your church or is it Christ's church? You know, a wise man once told me that we need to sometimes view ourselves as, as putting a fist into a bucket of water. And when you pull your fist out, that's our lasting impact. You know, sometimes we, we put too much authority in our own presence and not enough dependence upon the presence of Jesus Christ. If you find yourself running on fumes, maybe Jesus needs to speak to your heart and say, you know what, pull back for a season. Renew yourself in me before you seek to serve in my name. And you may be blissfully on the sidelines, just going through your own life, going through your own paces, without realizing, as it says in Revelations, though you're doing all these good things, you're speaking out, you're doing, you're doing everything what seems right, inside you're dead. You're lukewarm. And you may find that that's the season in your soul right now, and you need to repent and say, Lord Jesus, help me organize my priorities to reflect your priorities for the world through your church. How are your feet and hands doing as you engage with those around you with the love of Jesus Christ? And do you find yourself worshiping so as to draw your heart closer to Jesus and those around you closer to Jesus as well? Jesus tells us in John chapter 15, I love you. I'm crazy about you. I think you're the next best thing since sliced bread. 
You are so incredibly awesome. And because I love you, because I'm patient with you, because I'm kind with you, because I'm not rude with you, because I'm, I, I extend grace to you, I, I want you to do the same thing to other people. This is my command. Not because you have to, but because you want to. Not because of any sense of compulsion that it's somehow going to get you brownie points in heaven. But just because you, you enjoy my love so much, you want others to enjoy it too. That's what he calls us to be. Manufacturers, sustainers, implementers of his love. 